You turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. This is in the NS, NS, NASB. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together, shall we? Our God in heaven, it is a holy privilege that you have given us to worship you this evening, to be gathered with your saints together in uh, this place, that uh, we might honor you and lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, that we might be encouraged in the faith. Uh, would you grant us uh, your favor and your blessing this evening uh, as a particular I, the weakest one in uh, our presbytery, has been asked to open the scriptures tonight. Lord, we pray that you are superintend over this providence that uh, you have uh, given to uh, us, and uh, we pray that we might concentrate and be quiet before the Lord. Uh, as you speak to us from your word. Uh, it is this that we do pray and ask for uh, to the glory of your own name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I often tell people as they uh, realize that I have a voice disorder that God has been pleased to give to me. You can't get what I have. <laughs> and uh, so uh, you're, in good, uh, you're in good shape. Uh, we're looking at this brief passage from the Gospel of Matthew this evening. And uh, we know that uh, Matthew wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God in a chronological way. But within that uh, uh, chronological flow, uh, Matthew has uh, presented the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus in thematic sections. And what we have in the passage before us, we're in that section of Matthew's Gospel uh, where uh, he is laying out the various parables that Jesus uh, taught and used to teach uh, truths of the gospel, and in particular in this place, in reference uh, to the kingdom of uh, heaven. Uh, these two very brief parables that we have uh, and that we're looking at uh, this evening come right after the parables of the mustard seed and the parable of leaven, uh, both parables which teach us that the beginnings of God's kingdom on earth uh, may in fact be modest, uh, but that we are not to estimate the kingdom's value by such modesty. And so we're looking tonight at the issue of the kingdom of God, which is of unparalleled worth and value to us. In uh, verse 44, uh, we're told that a man goes and uh, he finds a treasure in a field. 
that particular word for treasure sometimes is referenced as a treasure chest, something that you would put very valuable things in. And uh, here uh, we recognize that uh, the ground was sometimes used as people's safe deposit box. And uh, so they would hide their valuables um, in the ground and they would pick some kind of secret spot in the field or they might bury it under uh, the floor of their home in order to uh, protect it and to keep it so that they can come back and uh, find it uh, a little bit later. You remember the parable of the talents then in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, the man who had been given by his master one talent did what with it? He dug a hole in the ground and he buried it there in order to protect it and to keep it until his master came back. It's the uh, first century uh, historian Josephus uh, who has written uh, the gold and the silver and the rest of that most precious furniture which the Jews had and which the owners uh, treasured underground was done to withstand the fortunes of war. So people, when they were challenged in a situation perhaps like war, or you can think about the Babylonian captivity, might bury their valuables in the field with the intention of coming back later after everything is calmed down, and they would dig it back up and they would have it again. But if they are uh, killed or if they are displaced out of the land, like in the case of the captivity, uh, that secret treasure spot might be uh, lost until somebody under the providence of God comes along and uh, discovers it. It was just a few years back when they were archaeologists were digging in the ancient uh, house in the city of Tiberias on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, as they dug under what had been uh, the floor of the house, uh, they discovered two clay pots, and when they opened them, they found they were both filled with ancient gold coins. Somebody had put their treasure here, and for whatever reason, again, under the workings of God in the time and space, they could not come back, or they were unable to do so, and there they were until somebody came along, and uh, they found it. Uh, this past January, uh, past uh, uh, June, my 99-year-old mother uh, died, and uh, the siblings and I are going through some of the things in her house and in her freezer. Uh, we found uh, $500 of cash uh, that she had hidden there, and uh, I told my siblings that this uh, is the epitome of that phrase, hard, cold cash. <laughs> So the scripture says, or Jesus says in the scriptures, that this man found in the field uh, that which was of a great treasure. We're not told exactly how that happened, what were the circumstances under which he was in this field. <coughs> Most likely he was uh, the farmer and uh, he was out uh, uh, doing his work in the field when, again, under God's good providence, he finds this thing of uh, great value. I grew up on a farm in uh, western Illinois, and uh, when I was about 15 or 16, I was out uh, disking one of our uh, west fields, and as I turned around to check the equipment behind me, I noticed something unusual was kind of going through the disk, and so I stopped, and I got off, and I went back and looked until I found 
uh, what I had seen previously. When I picked it up, I saw that it was an ancient uh, stone axe head. Uh, some native person in that area had lost it or had uh, simply uh, uh, placed it there, for, been there for some hundred years. I don't know uh, how long. Um, I was terribly excited about this. This was something that I thought this would be fantastic. And I'd love to have this and uh, put it in a very honored place uh, in a home of my own. But my father kept it for about uh, 20 years and used it as a doorstop in his house. <laughs> Uh, so here was this man who is out in the field. Uh, he's just doing his work. Uh, Jesus says that uh, he finds uh, this treasure. In verse 45, we're introduced to a man who's described as a merchant. Uh, this would be a wholesale uh, dealer who buys and resells uh, things for a profit. And Jesus says this particular man uh, was a pearl merchant. Uh, now, pearls were some of the most uh, highly valued pieces of jewelry in the ancient world. They would value then, like we would value today, uh, diamonds. It's said in the Jewish town that, that uh, pearls uh, were priceless as far as the ancient world was concerned. You remember in Matthew chapter 7 uh, how Jesus talks about famously casting your pearls before swine. And what Jesus is saying there, he is likening the holy things of the kingdom to pearls in order to emphasize the priceless worth of the kingdom. A kingdom, as Jesus is declaring at that point, which the unconverted despise. It's in verse 46 where we're told that this pearl merchant finds one pearl of great value. Uh, you can think about what the Apostle John was writing about in Revelation 21-21. He looks at the heavenly Jerusalem, 12 gates. Each one was made out of what? A single pearl. Imagine then today if you uh, were to come across a pearl that was as big as your truck. How much would that be worth uh, to you? Uh, how much value would that be compared to everything else that you have and that you owe? What would you do to obtain that? Well, Jesus says this man, quote, sold all that he had, and he bought that pearl of greatest price, which is his way of teaching and telling us that the kingdom uh, that is his and all that goes with it is worth more than anything that you can have in this life. That the kingdom of God and the gospel that underpins it, that is foundational to it, is of greater value than anything that you can imagine. But what is it about the kingdom uh, that makes it so valuable? Well, consider some of the elements of the kingdom from just some of the previous parables to these that we're looking at this evening. For example, in verse 19, the kingdom consists of the word of God. In verse 23, the kingdom involves uh, the inhabitants bearing spiritual fruit to the glory of God. In verses 41 and 43, the kingdom of God includes the righteousness of Christ 
borne out in we who are part of the kingdom. And it begs the question, how important is it to you to pursue righteousness in your life? How important to you is the word of God's truth? How important is it to you to bear spiritual fruit in serving Christ and his people? Even beyond these previous parables, the Bible teaches that being a part of the kingdom involves peace of heart, soul. Uh, being a part of the kingdom involves forgiveness of sins, uh, the love of God and the brethren, uh, eternal life, a relationship with the living God. It involves the hope of glory. It involves the holy privilege of worship that we're exercising even this very evening. So how valuable are these things to you? What are you willing to give up to gain them? Uh, with the first man in verse 44, Jesus says he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field where he has found this great treasure. With the pearl merchant in verse 46, Jesus says he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Jesus, two men, gave up everything they had because of the surpassing value of those things which represent the kingdom of heaven. Though it is true that we enter God's kingdom only as a matter of grace, uh, by faith and trust in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the purchase price, which is his death and resurrection, still God calls us as inhabitants of the kingdom that we are to give up everything for Christ and his kingdom. As a Christian, then, that means you need to be willing to give up your pride for the glory of God. It means that as a Christian, uh, you should be willing to give up your earthly cares in exchange for the peace of God in Christ. As a Christian, it means you need to give up your love for self and the love of God and his people. You need to give up your desire to be served that you might minister to others. You need to give up your own wants to pursue the obedience to God. And you need to sacrifice your self-will and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Another way to examine our hearts in these matters is to approach it from the opposite direction. What aren't you willing to give up for the sake of the kingdom? What aren't you willing to give up in your life for the sake of the kingdom of God? Are you willing to sacrifice relationships which distract you from obeying Christ? Those of you who are amongst us tonight as young people, this is exceedingly important for you to consider. Are you willing to sacrifice relationships which distract you from obeying Christ? Or are those relationships with your friends of more value to you than the gospel, than Christ, than the kingdom of God and serving him? Are you willing to sacrifice your possessions which compete with Christ for your affections in life? Or are your possessions of more importance to you than the gospel and the kingdom of God? Are you willing to give up your position and maybe accompany a claim that goes with that in order that you might 
serve in the kingdom of God? Or is that position, is that honor that is yours as part of the world or the culture of society, is that of more value to you than the things of Christ and the things of the kingdom of God? And we have to come to grips with this fact that some of the things that we value the most personal convenience. Again, if that's what is necessary to be a follower of Christ and his kingdom. In Luke chapter 9, we're told we need to be willing to give up those relationships that would distract us from the lordship of Jesus Christ, if that's what is necessary. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, we need to be willing to give up even our very lives for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. It's Martin Luther, the great reformer, of course, who wrote the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that is based on Psalm 46. And a part of that last verse, uh, Luther wrote, that goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is what? His kingdom is forever. You see, the truly converted person does not do this, does not live out the injunctions of Christ and his lordship under the kingdom uh, with the gospel because he has to, but because he wants to do this. Again, the man in verse 44 who tried, finds this treasure in the field, Jesus said, and for joy over it, he sold everything he had in order to gain this which was treasure to him for the joy over it, he did that. The basis for this man's joy is to have found something more valuable than the total sum of the man's possessions. And that's what we all find under the gospel in the context of the kingdom of God. The value of the blessings of God's kingdom far exceeds the total sum of all that life in this world might possibly offer to us. And thus true joy is found only in what Jesus Christ gives you as a member of his kingdom. So to believe and trust in the salvation of Jesus is true joy. To be forgiven of your sins, guilt, under the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, that is true joy. And to be filled with the Spirit of God is true joy. To personally know the one and only God is true joy. To minister uh, to one another in his name is true joy. And to know the hope of the glory of God in Christ, this is our true joy. And thus we gladly submit ourselves to Christ's lordship because it's worth it. 
We gladly obey God's law because it is worth it. We gladly believe God's truth in the gospel because to do so is absolutely worth it. And we gladly offer our adoration and praise to Christ our Redeemer because He is worth it. The kingdom of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is of far more worth and value than anything you have, anything that you can imagine. And there are two truths that follow up on this as Jesus tells these parables. The first is this, the recognition of the kingdom's worth can be experienced by those who are not even looking for it. The value of the kingdom under the gospel of Christ can come to those who aren't even looking for it. That's the example of the first man in verse 44. You remember my being out in the field. I was out there doing what my father told me to do. He did not tell me, son, I want you to go out to that west field and find some ancient Indian artifact. He didn't tell me that. He said, go out there and disc the field. And in the midst of doing that, under the providence of God, uh, I find this treasure. My wife's uh, uh, brother and uh, his uh, wife have uh, lived in their home for uh, many years now, and they've been there for about a dozen years. Uh, the sister-in-law decided one year that she needed to do some uh, industrial strength, uh, spring cleaning. And uh, so she uh, began to take off the uh, uh, grates from all of the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, she'd take those off and vacuum back in as far as she could. She took one grade off and there was a white envelope sitting in there. When she opened it up, she found there were 10, uh, 20, uh, $100 bills. Oh, I know exactly what you're all going to do when you get home. <laughs> and as you do it, don't forget the point that the kingdom of God and the value of the gospel is sometimes under God's good pleasure and providence experienced by those who aren't even looking for it. Uh, this man appeared to be going about his business, Jesus says, when he stumbled onto this great treasure and so many people are going about their life's business when they discover the great treasure of the gospel of God's kingdom. They're busy working, they're playing, they're raising a family, they're pursuing education, they're trying to contribute to society. And when they hear a sermon, as they're flipping through the radio, or they happen to read an evangelistic tract that's been left at the airport, uh, they read the Bible out of boredom some night in a motel, a motel room, or a friend takes them to dinner and witnesses to them. And as God moves by his spirit in their lives, their eyes are opened. They recognize the priceless worth of the kingdom gospel. They believe, they trust, they become heirs of the kingdom of God. Uh, this was the way it was with Saul in Acts chapter 9. This is what happened to the woman at the well Sychar in John chapter 4. This is what happened to the man, at the, the jailer at Philippi in uh, Acts chapter 16. It is as God says through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 
chapter 65, verse 1, he says, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I assume in all of our churches and our congregations, there are some people who are the only Christians in their earthly family. <clears throat> they have been a part of, uh, of a, a pagan pursuit within their family of, of ungodliness and unrighteousness, and yet God and his sovereign grace and mercy has plucked them out of the family, plucked them out of the fire, as it were, and brought them to himself for his own glory. Uh, consistent with his own good pleasure. What a savior we have. Uh, what a salvation is ours in Christ. But the other part of this is that uh, those who recognize the value of the kingdom of God under the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is experienced by those who sometimes are looking for it. And that's what we see with this pearl merchant in verse 45. He's just the opposite of the first man. This man's life's work was to search for that thing of surpassing value which he eventually found. Spiritually speaking, he's the person who spends his whole life looking for peace and satisfaction, for love and belonging. He tries various religions in his search. He experiments with different lifestyles. He burns through relationships all to no avail. Nothing feeds the gnawing of his soul. Nothing satisfies, but he keeps looking, believing that the answer is out there if he can only find it. Such was the case for the Ethiopian eunuch eunuch in Acts chapter 8 who found what he was searching for in the Christ of the gospel and God's kingdom. And thus the scripture tells us he went on his way rejoicing. So too was the Roman centurion Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 who found the fulfillment of his life's search in the gospel of the kingdom so that he was exalting God, the scripture says. These and others were, in fact, looking for that life's pearl of great value, and they found it, but only in the gospel that belongs to the kingdom of God and his Christ. Along with Dr. Pine from this morning, it has been my deep desire as we close out this day of Presbytery to encourage you from the scriptures. I know how difficult doing the work of the kingdom can be. I understand how discouraging and how lonely uh, that work can be. But I also understand from what Jesus has told us that because of the value and the work of the gospel of Christ, the glory of God, and the kingdom of our Lord, it is worth it. Every effort that you make is worth it. Ministers of the gospel, elders in the church of Jesus Christ, faithful wives who stand beside your husbands and support them in the work that they're doing, uh, the rest of you who have committed yourselves to being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every effort uh, in the kingdom of God is worth it. 
The Apostle Paul has written this, Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. And whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, do encourage our hearts tonight as we leave this place and we go back to our various homes and responsibilities that you have given to us as a people. And we pray that you would encourage our hearts and that you would fill our souls with joy in the service of the Lord, knowing that there is nothing this world has to offer us that is of more importance than the glory of God in Christ in your kingdom and to establish your kingdom on earth. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Lord, help us then as we invest our lives into that which is not temporal, but that which is eternal. God be with us. Grant us the fullness of your spirit. Let us go forth from this place as a mighty army of God to serve you and uh, to do so well for the sake of your kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray, and all of the Lord's people can say, Amen. Amen.